Hello and welcome to Tales from the Hook. My name is Katie Kelleher, aka Katie Cranes, and I am going to be your host for the next half an hour. In this podcast, I'm going to be deep diving into the construction industry. I'm going to be looking into topics such as skills, apprenticeships, some interesting life journeys, and everything in between. Who knows what may happen? This podcast has been very kindly sponsored by our friends over at Lieber. If you want to find out more about Lieber's products or brilliant innovations, please click the link at the bottom. On today's Tales from the Hook, we have the fantastic Adam Barry, co-founder and CCO of Electric House, former construction apprentice who started in construction in 2003. He had a change of career from construction manager to creative director of On The Tools in 2015. On the tools and electric house, build communities to, to support people. Adam, welcome to the show. Well, that was a really nice intro. <laughs> well, you. you deserve it. It's all like, true. You've got the right person here. The fantastic Adam. No, thank you for having me on. It's an absolute pleasure. No, thank you. Honestly, thank you so much. I think it's going to be really interesting to people. Um, and I know you're a proud supporter of people working construction and we know well we well know you have worked in construction as you've mentioned it many many times yeah i'm very proud of the fact i've worked in construction i think a lot of people who change careers don't tend to sort of like bring that to the forefront but it's a it's a part who i am and you never know i might return there one day as well so that's what i do you know what it's what i always say you never know when you need your tickets don't, exactly. let them, don't let them go by the wayside. <laughs> Adam, I want to take it way back for you now, like way, way, way back. And now I've read a few posts of yours on LinkedIn, as you know, we're, we're connected. So I've, I've had a little scroll through. And I know at school, you've, you've said yourself, you, you didn't do the best. You didn't, you didn't put yourself all into it and, and things didn't go that well for you. Yeah, I mean, uh, that was probably an understatement. I just didn't find it very interesting. Um, and I think when you're not interested in something, it's very, very difficult to succeed in it. Um, so, yeah, I kind of, I finished school. Um, do you want me to just crack on with the, yeah, the story? Go, yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah, that's that's, yeah. yeah, that's what I was trying to lead you into anyway. Yes, yeah, so I'm jumping the gun, aren't I? I think, um, thinking back, so when I was at school, um, really wasn't interested, uh, but I always had... I'd say like an entrepreneurial streak in me. Um, so I, I was a council kid. I had free school dinners, like single parent family. Um, and I used to sell my allocated dinner. And I think we used <laughs> to get about two pounds and I'd sell it for like one pound 50. So I'd, I'd meet people in the line and say, what are you getting? I'll get it you for, you know, 50p cheaper um, than what you're going to pay. So then they'd give me the cash. And then what I'd do is I'd go over to the shop um, and I'd buy a pack of cigarettes for £1.50. This is how long ago this was. A pack of 10 cigarettes for uh, about £1.50. And then I'd sell the cigarettes for like, you know, 20p a pop. Um, and then I'd then, you know, I was smoking back then. I don't smoke anymore. And then I'd be able to like smoke and then I still <laughs> eat food. So that was kind of like what I used to do back then. But um, school-wise, yeah, I didn't really succeed. It got to the, the end of year 11 and they're asking you what you want to do 
And they kind of said, look, you haven't really got many options. Um, and it's either go into a trade um, or go into the armed services. Um, and I kind of thought, okay, well, I want to, I'll go in the army um, because my granddad was a, a Royal Marine and I remember him sort of like, you know, me putting him on a pedestal and thinking, God, he was, he was amazing serving in World War II as a Marine. I thought I'll follow in his footsteps. I was very scrawny as a 16 year old. So when I went, when I went there, they said, come back in two years. Um, <laughs> and they said like, you know, you, I mean, I looked like probably a 12 year old boy at 16. So I went to, um, I was directed by the uh, the careers office to go to college. And even though I didn't have good enough grades, they they accepted me in and said, okay, well, I think the course wasn't very full. So they were like, <laughs> yeah, we'll take the scratch. Uh, so then I went and done a, what's called a public service um, course at college, which is it's the sort of, um, I think it was like a BTEC. It's the BTEC you do before you go into any services, whether that's the police force, fire, um, the army, the navy, the RF, um, and the the first day we we sort of started college, pretty sure it was um, it was nine eleven, so like it was oh, okay. it was all kicking off, and and then you know we were a few weeks after that we were talking about sending troops, and then we was at war, and um, and in all honesty, I you know I kind of went down the wrong path between sixteen and eighteen started going out and drinking and taking drugs um and then i thought i don't really want to go and fight in a war anymore this isn't you know <laughs> so the police the, force there's a real part, war yeah, yeah the, the police force was out of the question because i you know I didn't sit fit more lifestyle of you know taking drugs and <laughs> drinking um but i i i ended up having a, lo- a load of to me they were you know they weren't career jobs i, I was um, a sandwich, um, a sandwich packer. So I used to, I was, I was tomato man. I used to put tomatoes <laughs> on sandwiches, um, and it was horrible. It was freezing cold. You're basically working in a fridge all day, yeah. standing up, putting your your hands in freezing cold tubs oh, of tomatoes, God. and then putting them onto BLTs. And I, I thought, well, this isn't for me. Um, the best I could probably work my way up to was maybe spreading the butter. Um, so. <laughs> I left that job. Kept making owls in the bread. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I left that one. Um, I was a cleaner at a service station for a while as well. That was actually a re- quite an enjoyable job, believe it or not, because if something's dirty, you just clean it. There's, no really, yeah. there's not that much you have to think about. Um, and then I went and worked. Um, I went to an agency and they got me a job making exhibition stands out of MDF. And I thought, this is really really good it was all machine operated but you'd have to do a little bit of you know you'd have to put them together a little bit and I thought I like this um and then a friend of mine he was working on a building site he was working on Walsgrave Hospital actually and he said oh we need laborers it's like 50 pound a day it's cash I was like this sounds fantastic and then as soon as I got on site and I started speaking to like trades people as a laborer and um, and I was a good labourer, really good. I was always yeah. I, I was asking what they wanted. I was there, you know. I, I didn't mess about. I cleaned up. Um, I was I was a really good labourer. And someone who was on the site offered me to be an apprentice. Um, ceiling it was ceilings and petitions back then. Yeah. Which back then you know you used to get a lot of grief because it wasn't a proper trade. Um, but right. they had really good money. And I remember the guys who who I was taking all the materials to. They they were finishing work at like 12 o'clock on a Friday. They were finishing every day at like half three, the tools were being wrapped up. 
they're only like, you know, grand and a half, two grand a week. I was like, I fancy some of this. Um, so someone took me on and it kind of just went from there, really. I, um, I worked my way sort of up to what you'd call a fixer. Um, done an MVQ level two. And then on that job, because it was a long hospital job, I was on there for like years. Um, the contractors who I was working for asked if I could do some site supervision and some management. Um, I was only young. It's probably part of the reason why I didn't enjoy it in the end, because as a young lad running jobs, and it was predominantly men, you know, back yeah. then when I when I was sort of 20, 21, you'd very rarely seen a woman on the tools. It was um, the women were, you know, the 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 surveyors and they were in the office and stuff like that. So it was just like that real bloke culture and taking orders from a 21 year old lad who also looks oh, probably God. 16. Yeah. It was really difficult. You'd have to go and say, no, I can't pay you that this week. You haven't done a good enough job or you need to go. It was horrible, but you know, I'd done it and they put me through an MVQ level two and a level three in site supervision and management. So I kind of got that skill set. Um, and then at one point as a very, very young, early twenties, I was running a hospital job in Mansfield of about 70 guys. And, and that was the first time that I really struggled because although it looked fantastic and everyone thought yeah. it was just like, the, my, my bosses used to call me like Skywalker. They thought <laughs> it was great. But that was the first time where I thought I really don't enjoy doing this because I'm not ready. I haven't learned yeah. enough. Yeah, it's yeah. very, very fast tracked. I don't think I spent enough time on the tools at that point to then be telling people with 20 years experience what to do. And I didn't always have the answers. And actually, I think that's the first time where I really struggled mentally. And looking back, it wasn't till after I realised how probably depressed I was, but I didn't know. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah, it was, no, it was. It was. I, I remember driving to Mansfield from Tamworth, where I'm from. It's about an hour, just over an hour's drive. And sometimes in the morning, I think, I, I hope someone just crashes into me, but I don't oh, die. And I just maybe I'm in hospital for a few months. Yeah. So I'm going to hand this section of the hospital over. It was that, that's how stressful it was. And because it, back then there was absolutely zero chance of anyone opening up on site. Yeah. I mean, this is, I'm only going back sort of 15, 15 years. It's not, but that's yeah. the thing. It's, it's back then, but it's not a massive amount of time, is it? No, it isn't. And, and now I think loads of people are opening up all over the place. I think it's fantastic. But back then I wouldn't dare to like say, yeah, Oh, I'm feeling really down. You just get up and you just had to get on with it because there was no one to no one to talk to. Um, so I, I ended up leaving that um, that and going back on the tools. You know, I still had all my tools. Um, I had way more contacts now. I'd understood the um, the supervision and the management side of things, and actually a lot of sort of like the finances and the tender process and, and project management. So I was like, okay, well, I'm actually in a really good position to go and set up on my own. So that's what I went and done. So I went and set my own business up, um, had a few, uh, a few fixes working for me and done that for about three years. Um, I mean, that and, was uh, really brave in itself. Yeah. Was, that was, I, I, was really I was young, brave. still young at that point as well. And yeah. I didn't know what I was doing still then. I was like, <laughs> this is, I just seemed to put myself in really difficult positions <laughs> and, uh, and then wonder why they don't work out. But yeah, that was that was a big move for me. And that was, again, that was really difficult because, you know, whereas before I was managing someone else's money, it's a little bit easier when it's someone else's money. Yeah. Decisions. When it's your own, <laughs> excuse me, I've got a cold. When it's your own, it's, um, 
it's even harder. And and we were worked for a lot of cowboys actually. Who the reason I ended up stopping dissolving that business was um, I was stopped. People were delaying payments, Gosh. and you know, and and then I'd, I'd I'd be paying all the the lads out who were working for me and covering the expenses, and then. I'd be left with nothing and it, on the surface it looked like I was doing you know really well because I had all these jobs done and these lads working for me but really I was I wasn't really earning any money because yeah. the money I was owed, the money that was mine I wasn't getting it it's terrible that is terrible yeah excuse me I'm I'm really like I've got a really bad cold you're under it no you're absolutely fine do what you need to do no don't worry Adam. <laughs> thank you um so I ended up the, the the straw that broke the camel's back. I was working on a job in Doncaster, and this guy he, he's I didn't know this, but his business was already pretty much going under. And we we I'd done a job for him, and um, I think it was about seven thousand pound he owed me, and he didn't pay me. So I took him to court, like small claims court. Then he admitted liability. So it wasn't even a case of there was no like, well, you didn't do this properly, or you haven't finished yeah. your work. It was like. We won because we had all the documentation, um, and then and then two weeks later they went into liquidation. So oh God. I didn't get I didn't get a penny, um, and that was what stopped me um, continuing that business. So that so when you stopped that is that when on the tools came about, Adam? No. So at this point, um, my now ex wife. Um, said you need to you need to get a proper job and I was like yeah I think I do for a bit I think I've done I've I've learned a lot I keep jumping in at the deep end it's very difficult I need time to just sit back and reassess and one of the one of the guys um who used to subcontract to the company that I used to work for when I was a manager I kept in touch with him and he was a really good guy still keep in touch with him now I actually owe a lot to him and um he offered me a job um on the tools, like he'd done a lot of shop fitting and, and work where I could do a dual role where I'd, I'd be on the tools still, but also liaising with the site managers and stuff like that. So a bit of both. Got a van. Um, I think I even got a phone, all my fuel paid, and it was payment every two weeks. Nice. And I was like, yeah. this is what I need. Um, so I went and done that for a couple of years and it's kind of turned into a shop fitting role, really. Um, a lot of hair salons, and we yeah. do like the whole spec when we was in there. Um, vets as well, um, spas and subways, and you know that sort of like, type of stuff. And I really enjoyed it. Actually, it was it was nice work. Although it was working away a lot, you know, you're doing sort of like fourteen hour days. The money yeah. was God. insane, and that's what I really enjoyed about it. And that is um, sort of, I'd say, two years into that part of my journey. So I was coming up to sort of, I think I was about 29 or yeah, roughly just turning 29. Um, Lee Wilcox, who's the CEO of On The Tools, he's yeah. my best friend from school. Is this so, the point where you thought that this, this job's too stable? I can't, <laughs> I can't do no, it. Wasn't that. I need something a bit more <laughs> on the edge. I'll, I'll be honest with you, all throughout this this period of time that I've just spoke to you about, I was always trying different things. You know, I used yeah. to sell... Um, I used to sell toys on eBay for a, for a period. I'd buy pallets of Argos returns. So anything that gets returned to Argos, they can't resell back in the store. And these are things that someone might just open and go, I don't really want this anymore. Yeah. Send back. Some things were broke or parts were missing. 
And toys was an easy one because there's not a lot to fix them if there's something wrong. If it's a if it's a uh, a Fifi keyboard, they were quite popular. You'd open the back up and you'd solder <laughs> you'd solder the uh, the missing connection back in, and then you yeah. put it on. And, and you know, my house looked like a toy shop for like a long period of time. Like Delroy, uh, honestly, it was like that. Yeah. Um, and, and so, Leo, so, but you know what I can tell Adam for all this? You're a grafter. You're always, you, you know, you've never, you've never once sat back and gone, oh, well, stuff it. You know, like. And honestly, I still do it now, though. I still see things and I'll go, I wonder if I could do that. That looks really good. Like, and in terms of like selling things. Yes. So yeah. A bit of a hobby of mine. And it's not to, I don't do it to make a lot of money, but I used to live right next to a charity shop and I'd go in the charity shop, but it was, it was next to like a, uh, a, a tip. So like people would get rid of all the stuff and then yeah, yeah. So it was, it ended up being a really good one. Do you I'd know why I'm laughing? Cause I do the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I collect retro games consoles. So this yeah. is where I come from. And I, I, I've got a charity shop up the road and I'll go, well, when time's all good, I do boots house. I do charity shops. I'd, take some for my collection but i'd also know what could make me money and what i had doubles of and things like that and i've always sold always sold on ebay i love it yeah so i do that now as a hobby and and the, i take the kids in there because the kids are like you know if you go into smith's toy store and they want something it's like 20 quid or something yeah. like to 50 i'll go in the charity shop, i'm like yeah whatever you can grab you can have because it's like 50p <laughs> 25p um, but yeah I'll, I'll just go in there and i'll look for things that spark my attention so i'll buy things like typewriters I pass the machines, you know, really rare, like weird things. And then I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll just sell them on eBay and I'm, and even just making a tenner on some, I'm like, yeah, there you go. Got that one. And I don't need to do it, but I enjoy it. Um, so yeah. And then just going back to, to Lee and I, so we, we used to go on holiday together as like school kids with his mom and dad or with, with mine. Um, and we were always trying to do something. We were always linking up and he's quite entrepreneurial. He's had some awful business ideas, just like I have. Um, Lee tried to start a uh, Nordic walking company before, which was <laughs> called Walk the Nordic Way, which was basically <laughs> charging people to walk. <laughs> so like, uh, that didn't take off. He had some sticks and everything, you know, the little walking sticks. But So we'd done this over time and we bought like um, job lots of England like novelty helmets we went to like world cup games and sold them and um we tried to launch a music app before called live music masters um and that was essentially um like a, a place where if you were looking for someone to come and gig at your pub or your venue or even a party you could go on there and find them um and if you were someone who gigged or you was a magician or whatever, whatever talent you yeah. was, you could, you could put yourself on there and it was like a, a marketplace to, to these people to find each other. We didn't do it in there because it cost way too much money. We went down right. to London, got it priced up and it was super expensive, but we actually met some people, um, you know, further down the line who'd managed to launch this business that we wanted to do. And, they, and they'd done it quite well. And we were like, happy because we thought it worked you know yeah, that, yeah. it's the same thing we thought of and it worked for them so that was kind of nice in a way um so then that brings us on to on the tools i I've went around lee's like i did often on a on a friday night in his garden having a few beers and at the time i was moaning that i couldn't get any plasterers um for a job and it, when you're sort of i mean it might have changed now but when i used to be on site 
and I needed a plaster and someone let me down. Okay, I'll get to the next plaster in my phone book. When you've when you've exhausted those, it's like where the hell do you go? You know, you could go and check a trade or you know, rate people, but they were really domestic. It was very difficult to sort of like get people onto a site in a few days notice. And Lee said, surely there's an app for it, like a, a trade app. And there wasn't, there was no trade to trade app there. And and that's where we came up with the idea of on the tools. Actually, it was a recruitment app. Oh, wow. it was, yeah. It was to connect construction was our mission. And I guess we've kind of still done that, but it was to get um, people listed on a, on a database. So even if you're just like a self-employed ceiling fixer from Tamworth, you could go on there. And if you're looking for self-employed ceiling fixers within the Midlands area, you'd, they'd come up and you could select them and all the cards would be in there. And, um, and that was the original idea. So because again, we had no money, um, yeah. neither myself or Lee came from money. Um, so we thought let's start a Facebook page. These, these Facebook pages seem to really pop it off at the minute. Lad Bible was about, they they were on like about half a million, something like that. And it was that culture at the time, all these, these Facebook pages were popping up. I said to Lee, oh, I've got loads of funny videos from on site. <laughs> I had about four. He wasn't, he wasn't happy about that. So we launched it and it just took off. It just absolutely, like within a few months, we'd had like, you know, 250,000 people wow. following us. And it was, and then we were like, we don't know what to do with this, but the aim was still to do the app. And then we had people contacting us from brands saying, can we advertise with you? And we were like, no, 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 we that's not what we do. We, we're doing this app. And after a few times, we were like, okay, yeah, fine. We'll we'll do some advertising. And then we're like, yeah, we'll give you 500 quid to put this post on. We was like, okay, yeah, let's do that then. Uh, <laughs> thinking we'd won the lottery. Um, so we started to do that, but then you know, a lot of the community didn't really like what we was putting out. So then we said, okay, well, let us make it for you. We'll charge you an extra 500 quid and we'll make it. Um, and then we'll, we'll put it out. And that's kind of how it started on the, on the, if you like, the sort of publishing side is we'll create the content for you and we'll put it in front of our uh, community and we'll get your products in it. Um, so it was a, an absolute accident how it happened. Um, yes, yeah, mental. Yeah, it's so strange. And then we've done a few few different things. We've launched a um, lot like merch. You know, we've done. I remember your t- your t shirts and your jumpers and everything. And um... yeah, and um, you know, some of those I look back and absolutely cringe at because they were, <laughs> you know, they they wasn't they were awful. Um, they were part of that lad culture. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, yeah. You know that those. So we stopped doing those, um, but we we ended up doing quite well off the the merch. Um, really simple model as well lots of people were asking us for merch and we were like we don't do that we're, we're a recruitment app and then in the end we went well let's just set up a shop and see if they sell so we we asked the community for the slogans and said give us your best t-shirt designs and they came back with them and whichever ones had the most likes they're the ones we turned into designs and then sold them back to the community it was great um but we we stopped doing that because it just became harder on facebook to reach people organically you know i think you know that they give you loads of reach and they just cut it down after time right yeah <laughs> excuse me sorry no you're all right you're fine it's, it's i mean it's so interesting and it's it's a real testament to you never know how things are going to turn out and you just because i mean you i mean it's a big move isn't it it's a big move to go from that kind of stable job that you had which you sound like you're quite happy in towards the end yeah. and then going 
All right, let's let's throw everything we've got at this. And I, I've I've noticed your satchel behind you while we're sat here, oh, and yeah. I know I know you've got a story about this, which I I really like, and I think it's it's a nice one about you and Lee. Yeah. So um, as I've mentioned, we we didn't really have a lot of money. Um, there was one point where we didn't even have a car between us, as well. So we we when we got our first little tiny office, we'd have to walk there. Lee would walk to mine, would knock on and we'd walk down. And um, <clears throat> it got to a point where actually we had, to, we had to go to a meeting in Leeds and we didn't have a car. So Lee, Lee went to BMW to test drive a BMW. Uh, and then he got, so he got it. And then he come and picked me up and we went to Leeds for a meeting <laughs> while we were test driving it. <laughs> Rolled up in this really nice brand new BMW thinking that that would impress whoever was going to see. Um and then, yeah, we had to just drop it back on the way home. It was like, now we're not interested. Um, but the satchel, again, we, we were at a point where we thought, so for those that obviously, you know, are listening, it's just like a real, like, it looks like a real posh brown satchel, quite suave, isn't it? Yeah, we, very, we very suave. We need something decent to turn up, you know, with, with our stuff in. And we couldn't afford to go and get one, so we've got one between the two of us and shared the satchel. <laughs> Because we thought people would take us more seriously if we had that satchel. Uh, some of the stuff we've done. And we shared a car at one point as well. So when we got enough money to get ourselves a car, we got one between us. And then we'd have different weekends, like sharing a child. It was like we had yeah. to have it on different weekends. That'd be Lee's weekend and this would be my weekend. Um, until eventually we got to a point where, you know, managed to get a car each. I mean, that's, I mean, the whole thing's just an amazing leap of faith on the boat. I mean, I mean, I remember listening to Lee speaking at an event I was at and he was talking about the growth of on the tools and you guys, you didn't have electric house at that time, but I was like, wow, that's amazing. And you were, you were sharing people's videos of on construction. So they were producing a, a good bit of content for you. You were circulating it out there. You were selling your merchandise and it was just going really well. And to think that, you know, you started in construction and where you started sharing a car and renting a car <laughs> and sharing a satchel to where you guys are now. I mean, you've got, uh, when I looked, 6 million followers across Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram and TikTok. I mean, that is absolutely massive. Yeah, it's it's insane, and we've we've got we've got a lot of trade groups on Facebook as well, which um, you know they're sort of like solely for the trade, and there's over a hundred thousand across those groups. Well, I moderate one of your groups. I moderate women on the tools. Yes, you do. Yeah, you do. Um, so I think the 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 missions changed. If I'm being honest, and I, you know I can be honest because that's, that's just who I am. But I didn't set this business up for any other reason than to make make money you know that's yeah. that was kind of the aim let's make some money um but what's changed is you know i do I, I give a shit about the industry and coming from the industry and going through the the issues i went through you know i've pretty much been through everything you can go through in construction you know i've been through a recession um i've had to close my business down i've been i haven't been paid i've been scammed i've had my tools nicked i've you know i've I had mental health problems um, when I was on the tools and when I was in site management. So I understand the problems that everyday tradespeople go through. And I think, yeah. I think the industry is broken. Um, I don't think there's anyone in particular to blame for that. I just think that it's still quite archaic. It's still very underserved. 
um, and people that go into white collar uh, industries end up getting way more support than people in blue collar because like if you're like me i went and worked for someone it was just john down the pub you know didn't have a hr department or a development plan for me you know um i didn't have a pension um i didn't know anything about sort of like what i need to do as a a grown-up and protect myself and it's uh it's one of those industries where a large chunk of those people just um, don't get the support that other people get in other industries. So what we've ended up doing now is rather than trying to think of all these different ideas on how we can, you know, make money as a business, we think about how can we support the trade? How can we champion the trade and look after them? Um, and that's kind of where we're headed now. Um, we want to make sure that if there's something missing, we work on it and we'll get partners involved to do that. So, you know, one of the things that we're launching in the next couple of months is an insurance product that ensures your tools in your van overnight oh, wow. because it didn't exist before. Um, now I think a couple of companies are starting to do it, um, but it was never there before. So we're going to roll that out. You know, we've got a partner backing us and it's one thing that we want to start pushing this year is to make sure that people one get insurance, um, and because it's really not that expensive when you sort of look at the outlay you've got having yeah. at all if they get nicked and two they get the right insurance because some people get insurance but they still have to take all the tools out and put them in the house overnight and you know what a nightmare that is you know I've been yes, there and done it yeah, when you've got the four, van kitted out and... yeah 40 minutes to empty my van and then I'm tripping over tools in the middle of the night and the kids are and it's just not ideal so it's things like that it's, it's a lot of research into mental health um into um the areas that we believe you know need the the greatest support and then working with people in the industry who make a hell of a lot of money from the trade to put it back and and fix these issues i love it it's really hard to get across so i i mean where you were, I've seen you where you were and where you are now, Post. So where you were is you and Lee, and then you had Andy. So there's three of you holding up a T-shirt in someone's shed by the looks of it. And then, <laughs> I mean, you've got your own office. You've got Electric House now, your own office. Now, how many people have you got working for you? So full-time, there's 40, full-time. Wow. Obviously, we've had a lot of freelancers um, over the years. So that scales up and down, you know, it's brilliant. It's tough at the minute, you know, I think everyone's feeling at the minute. You've only got to turn on the news and there's cuts across every industry. Um, so it's quiet at the moment, but we are in a recession. But yeah, when we're when we're at our peak, it was uh it was busy in here, to say the least, yeah. It's I mean, that's crazy. And I mean you've given so many opportunities to like young creatives to get them started and get them working on these projects. I mean, you for the people you've had working with you, like McDonald's, NHS, Samsung, Vodafone, Facebook, like major, major, massive companies. I mean, when, back when you sort of started this, could you ever imagine it would end up the way it has? No, it, it's, um, it's, it's exactly, it's an accident that's happened, but we've managed to navigate it in the right way. But no, you know, we're working with some of the big, not just the biggest brands in the industry, but some of the biggest brands in the world. Um, because I think what a lot of people forget is like tradespeople have lives outside of just 
being on site, you know, sitting in a crane or digging a hole. Like we do other things. Like we don't just walk around with power tools. We like to go on holiday. We like to have a McDonald's. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. Um, yeah, well, it's not very often actually, I think back and that's why I like doing these because it gives me time to sort of reflect and go, all right, it might be difficult at the minute and you know, it's, it's not easy. Um, but you've come a long way, so keep going. And I think, you know, I think it's such an interesting story, Adam. I think people will really resonate with people and that that try, try, try again approach that you've had and you've still got that not everyone has. And I, I just think it's it's a real testament to you and Lee how far you you've gone. I mean, I follow electric house and and you guys on the tours and diy on a budget and and the stuff you turn out is absolutely amazing it's um i think you've given a lot of opportunity to a lot of people as well thank you yeah it feels good um and we're going to continue i think like i said you know honestly earlier we spent a long time chasing the wrong things and i think we finally found what our why is you know and and the why is to make to trade a better place to be, improve construction and in whatever way we do that. But that's going to help us. It's going to help everyone else. You know, more people are leaving the industry than joining it. And oh, that's yeah. not good for anyone who works in construction. It's not good for us. It's not good for the, the people that supply the, the products. And, um, and I think we all need to pull together to just make it a, a more attractive place to be. And that's what we're trying to do. You know, we do showcase, a lot of skilled trades you know we do a lot of transformations you know we do a lot of day in the lives of people who have jobs in construction who i think if i was at school i'd go i think that looks fantastic yeah you know, i would love to go and you know do what they're doing and i think that's what we need to do we need to showcase that the industry is a great place to be i know we have to talk about the doom and gloom to improve it but i think if schools were to be a little bit more open to well, they weren't when I was at school. Maybe it's changed now, but I still don't think it's enough. A little bit more open to championing people to going into a trade just as much as they do to university. Um, I think it would improve the industry because the only reason I went into a trade is because I didn't have anything else. And then yeah. when I landed in it, I was like, why the hell are people, more people not doing this? It's great. <laughs> like, like myself. Yeah. Well, I think because people <laughs> just say, go to university, that is the track you need to go down. Whereas right. actually, if you go in the trade, at 16 you do an apprenticeship you do a few years and get yourself qualified and get yourself some experience by the time you're sort of 20 21 when people are leaving uni you're on you know 30 to 40 grand a year um you've got all your own tools you you can go out do your own work and a lot of people are leaving university with you know a debt they're probably not going to pay off for 25 years and that's not me digging university out. I think, you know, you need to do whatever makes you happy, but I think they should just be put on a on a par with each other. Oh, definitely. I, you know, I'm a big fan of apprenticeships anyway, degree, non-degree. I don't think it matters. I think it's a really good way of getting into the industry. Now, I'm aware we're running a little bit short on time, Adam, Thanks, so I'm going to... I'm going to finish off with one question. Now, it's the same one question I ask everyone, and I think you might have partially answered it and you might go back to something like that, but what's one thing we can all do to make the construction industry better for everyone? I think um, I think put, put your money where your mouth is. You know, like we do, you know, we, we spend a lot of time and resource here in um, – 
researching where things have gone wrong um, and then trying to improve those. And I think we're not a, you know, we don't make tens of millions of pounds. You know, we're, we're still a startup, you know, we're a small business. Um, and I think a lot of these businesses that do have a lot of money should probably be doing more um, to help people get into the trade and then support the people that are there. I think we talk, we all talk a good game on the tools included, you know, we, we highlight things, um, but ultimately we kind of know what the problems are. But I think if there's one thing I could change is for us, all of us to work together to help improve it because not one individual is going to do it. You know, I, I think on the tools are probably going to make the biggest impact. Um, but imagine if we had the support from these giants in the industry yeah. to be able to do it. So that's the one thing I'd change. It's, it's really like, it's put your money where your mouth is and actually start making a change. How do we actually make a change and how do we even quantify that? Look at all the problems we've got at the minute. Mental health an issue, but what are all the things that are causing mental health? Yeah. You know, it's it's it, there's there's a, a multitude of things. So tool theft is one of them. Um, I think a lack of support. People, even things like pensions. Yes. Like, you know, we've done research, and and you know, most self-employed tradespeople under the age of thirty haven't got a pension, and we're gonna we're gonna create a generation of people in twenty thirty years time who are in extreme poverty it's things like that. There's, there's so many of these things that that are going on in construction that um it'll be too late by the time you know we try and change it because we won't have an industry left thank you on that note thank you so much for coming on today adam it's been absolutely fascinating i i could easily keep you here for another hour to be honest but <laughs> no, it's I'm been brilliant be thank you bed now um honestly i feel awful and uh i'm meant to be on a stag do tomorrow Oh, God. <laughs> I need to go and get some rest. <laughs> yeah.